Welcome to the Televerse, streaming in place, the legend of Korra. Hello everybody and welcome back to Streaming in Place. Today we're talking about The Legend of Korra, Book 2 Spirits, Episode 7 and 8, Beginnings. And um, just, just, let me just, welcome back. Welcome back to Studio Mirror and also the show. And I was watching these episodes uh and first of all, delighting in Stephen Yun, who is just fantastic as the voice of our you know main character here for this episode. But also going normally, I would be so much harsher on this episode because some of the it's just very we're gonna skip over ten steps and be very blatant and didactic with all the writing. Like it's it's not great. But the contrast to what the rest of this season has been is so dramatic that I just don't even I just don't even care. So I'm very excited about this episode. Allison, um, you texted uh, Noel and I, guys, this episode slaps. So I'm guessing you're on board, but uh, I'm curious if you are as, like, relieved and like, oh, thank God, as I was watching these. You know, when you're watching Latter-day the West Wing and you get to an episode where it's like... <laughs> Um, Bradley Whitford has to choose the next Supreme Court justice and whoops, one of them is Glenn Close. Uh, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, and it's still not season two of The West Wing, but it's but it's good. So it feels like The West Wing. That's what watching these episodes were like. I've I've come down a little bit off of the that high since watching those episodes yesterday, but frankly, only slightly, um, because I think even were this in were was this even if this two parter were in last season or somewhere in after the last airbender i feel like i still would have responded really positively if only for the great voice performances and the just breathtaking animation um that when it dropped into that new visual palette i was like oh girl, let's do this whatever this is i'm super into it um so yeah, I'm very all about everything except for the titles and Kate's aforementioned sort of whoops, don't look over there, whoops, don't look over there, um, narrative stuff that they pull. I'm still, I'm into everything about beginnings parts one and two, except for the fact that they're called beginnings parts one and two and um, and those little blind spots. But still, overall, yeah, it's like, it's like all of a sudden it's going from season three of Lucifer to season four. What? <laughs> yes, very into it. <laughs> Noel, um, rewatching these, I was just, uh, after our conversation yesterday, I was just like, they gave you crap about the visual styles, obvious, like, Japanese, Japanese art influence. influences. Yeah. How, did they watch the episodes? Did they, like, how? So, um, I, I look forward to any of your, your specific thoughts on that. But in general, were you also as like, yay, the show is back? I was. I had kind of for I'd really forgotten that both these episodes are really good. Um yeah, they do suffer from the we're gonna skip eighty steps in the hero's journey type thing. Uh we're also gonna really heavily reference multiple types of hero's journeys narratives here, from him riding on a cloud, which is very monkey, to a bunch of other things, um, hero's journey esque that happen across this episode. Um these episodes, I should say. But I just, I don't care because like you said, Stephen Yoon is really, really good as Juan. Um, and the art and the art design of everything in that uh, Yukio E um, woodblock painting style um, just sets everything apart, gives it that sense of 
age, but it also gives it that sense of almost like a different kind of high fantasy, almost like the aesthetics of it make it feel so like a different world that it makes sense that this is 10,000 years ago, that everything's watercolored and everything's kind of splotchy in places, but it creates such field of depth and atmosphere that you don't mind that. Like it doesn't offend like your sensibilities so much so that whenever they cut back to Korra in the fire sages, like memory pool, you're like, what's this bullshit? (laughs) Let's go back to, let's go back to the other stuff. Um, that's great. Um, and one of my, one of the things I really, really like about it is that even though like all the backgrounds are done in that Japanese arts Edo style, um, they still animate everyone as if they're still in a contemporary style, but it never, the disconnect I think feels really good. It feels really legitimate because it's this burgeoning human race that's starting to take stock of the world basically um so i really like how the aesthetics of this these episodes complement a narrative and the story that is starting to come forward um so i really like both of these episodes i think they're great um yeah that's all i'm gonna say yeah noel i i really like that point about the juxtaposition of those two styles because I'm not sure that I could have articulated it quite as well as you. And you obviously are very knowledgeable about animation in a way that I just am not. Um, But it felt, watching it felt like watching a myth come to life without leaving the set that the myth was already on. You know, it's like if you were watching this in live action, it would have gone from like grainy sepia tone to color as we move through time to the present of that character. And instead it's like, just the characters came through and the lens stayed the same. Very mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. 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 It's just so immediately visually interesting. And like, oh man, thank, uh, thank goodness that the, the, because part of why the writing has been bad is that the showrunners who did all the writing in the first season handed off the writing because they needed to deal with the animation issues. And that has been a problem because the writing has been bad. But uh, the up, like, this episode shows just how important having the animation there really is. So fixing things with Studio Mir so that they were able to bring them back, like smoothing that, that, you know, relationship over, um, you know, finding more money, you know, so that they could get them back. Uh, it clearly was worth the bad writing we've powered through the last few episodes because just the, the, it's just such a difference level there's just no comparison with the visuals and uh when you don't have when you have not great writing but good visuals that that really really helps especially on a show as dynamic as Korra and like when you get these battles these massive like it's just it's just so cool it's such an important part of the storytelling and uh yeah I'm very excited to see what Studio Mirror is going to do with the second half of the season. Yeah, and I should note that one of the writers, um, DiMartino, came back and wrote the first part of Beginnings. Um, but that was it. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about our characters uh, because I feel like one is pretty quickly up there. Like, that's such an Aladdin. Like it's, but he's Aladdin, <laughs> um, but he's so immediately charming, and I put that's really down to the voice performance um, and the animation. But um, 
he, he's immediately dynamic. He's immediately up there, like contending with who's your favorite avatar, uh, which I greatly appreciate. And the, the, you know, Vatu and, and, uh, Rava don't work as well for me, but I am all about Ai Ai, um, and his, his good friend Stinky. Um, did you guys have a different voice performance that spoke to you? That was Jason Marsden, I should say, who voiced Ai Ai. I, I mean, I liked all the voice performances, to be honest. I felt like, um, they were suitably epic when they needed to be. Yin is unsurprisingly really great. Um, I wish that we had heard more from the cat deer, uh, but I assumed D. Bradley Baker was busy. <laughs> um, uh, does the cat deer have a name? Okay, sorry. We are briefly going to segue just because I have to. Uh, does the cat deer have a name? I, it starts with an M, but I can't quite remember what it is. I'm obsessed with cat deer. Uh no one will ever replace Appa, obviously. But in terms of, like, if we were to do a power rankings of Avatar animal buddies, Cat Deer, I'm very into Cat Deer. Her name is Mula. Mula. Oh, that's it. I yeah. love you, you majestic, fearless, faithful beast. <laughs> I just, I love the design. I love the, like, unquestioning running toward danger that they do together. I'm very, like, it's a classic origin story. I'm very into it. Um, Kate, you reminded me that the thing I didn't text you guys last night was Riff Raff Street Rat. <laughs> I don't buy that. <laughs> Can't sing more or we'll get sued. Um, yeah, I liked all the voice performances. I, Rava and mm-hmm, worked Bachi. better for Thank you. Vatu worked better for me than I think they did for you, Kate. Um, if only because they just, both of those voices sounded so clearly as though they were coming down from the mountaintop, you know what I mean? Um, that it, it was easy to sort of invest in the awe-inspiring power when I think sometimes that's a thing that's easier to push away um, when you're dealing with animation. Like the, what it must have been like for Juan to stand there and see these two titans going at it, right? Um, the kind of thing that uh, you imagine created thunder. So, um, yeah, I, I responded really positively to all of them, but especially to Mula. <laughs> Marcus says, cat deer might be my new favorite, my favorite new animal. And yeah, cat deer, I mean, like of... I mean, polar bear, um, uh, polar bear dog is very good. Very good. Cat deer also very, very good. Um, yeah. And, uh, Marcus says, I think this, the closest analog for streaming place for this episode was hitting the season three finale of Lucifer after that rough run. And I think that's, yeah, that's, that's even more than, um, the going to season four because the Netflix changes, like, it's like, oh, they can do this. Okay. I, I thought I was just like forgetting, you know, that, you know, that I had made up that they, they were good at this and no, they are. They just needed some help. Um, yeah, no. How did you feel about our voice performances? So I'm with Allison. I like the voice performances for Rava Vatu and across the board. Um, I think April Stewart, who voices Vatu, hits that kind of good line of, ugh, humans, without, like, overdoing it, um, which is, I think, oh, sorry, with Rava, uh, without really overdoing it. Um, but it's still there, that kind of that kind of elf condescension that comes through in, like, Lord of the Rings type stuff of, oh, aren't you darling, um, is, is, is is kind of the right note. Um, Jonathan Adams voices uh, Vatu, and I think he does a really great job, and I like the writing for Vatu a lot. 
my problem was, and I've realized it before I went back and reread my review that I wrote for this, these episodes way back in the day of, man, if Mako were still alive, he'd be voicing Vatu. It would just be a coup from Samurai Jack, but it would be amazing. Um, <laughs> and I, but I appreciate that they go something kind of different, but I also really appreciate that Vatu's just kind of a sassy bitch. Like this whole, I'll see you at the end of the world. It's just like, buddy, you're just feeling yourself. And I really like it. Um, it's so it's so beautiful and perfect of like, I, I've been chained to this nag for 10,000 years. I get to just run crazy and I'm, I am here for it. Um, even though he's going to destroy the world, I appreciate that he wants to live his best life, even if it does mean destroying the world. <laughs> You know who Vatu, 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 yeah. Vatu reminds me of? So I'm currently rewatching Drag Race season four, I think I mentioned with our, with friend of the show, Keenan. And um, so I'm sort of reinvestigating the dynamics in that season because that's the best way to watch RuPaul's Drag Race is to just enjoy the gamesmanship. Um, and I think that Willem... <laughs> <laughs> is as a total agent of chaos is like the closest analog that I can think of in reality television terms where and Vatu is definitely like more menacing right like you don't do your Boris Karloff voice if you're aiming for like and just a neutral agent of chaos definitely not chaotic neutral but that energy of like just gonna fuck shit up here just gonna fuck all this shit up is uh is is what that reminded me of in in willem just pu- we got to the willem puking and i just whatever it's on my mind and it's also like very <laughs> like you to go back to allison's allusion to titans it's also very like old school mythology type of god behavior of i don't really have a plan this is just what i do that i am a force of nature that provides balance to Raba, because even like when they go to this spirit world specifically on that big beautiful battlefield that they have their final confrontation on you get that wide long shot that shows that it's just a big yin and yang that the portals and the portals come out of the dots um there so it's just they're really hammering at home that yes no light spirit dark spirit but also everything else mm-hmm. it just it's so um it so reminds me of the, you know, the the themes that you get, like, with the Jedi, right? Of, um, we're going to need to bring balance to the and uh, forsaking all yes, attachments? Yes, of course. Obviously, <laughs> yes. Um, this, just the sense of, like, which may be resonating with other themes in, in life right now, but uh, the sense of, like, um, you realize that things are, you know, if, if everything is seeming like it's going pretty well... And you then you are trying to bring balance. That means you are introducing chaos. Yeah. <laughs> because order has been winning. Uh, which is why, like, oh, we need to bring balance to the Force. So the thing where there's one dark Jedi and then there's thousands of light Jedi, bringing balance to that is not actually a good thing. Um, you know, depending on how you think about your Star Wars mythology. Don't at me. I don't know that much about it. It's just a general concept. So here where it's like, oh, no. They're fighting. <laughs> the, the these two, you know, this concept of the the light and the dark are are fighting. Well, because the dark has been held prisoner for ten thousand years, and 
Yeah, it's because it's been, we've had a lot of peace in these last 10,000 years, and you shouldn't be a prisoner. It's like, you realize the reason, the reason they've had peace is because Vatu was losing. Like, that's like, that's how it works. Um, Watching that lesson, it was just something, you know, we we see told in various types of narrative fiction and and mythology and stuff. Uh, I I felt they did a good job with that moment and like, oh, oh, I did a, oh, okay, doomed everything for 10,000 years. Great. Okay. Let's, um, let's fix that. Uh, I, I felt like the, taking such a familiar beat and bringing, uh, the level of like immediate awareness to it. And like, I, I just thought that he balanced that well. And with these larger, more tropey kind of elements, um, that was something that I really connected with this time. Um, yeah. It's reminding me of things like, you know, if it's raining and you're not dry, don't throw away your umbrella. Um, but anyways, do we have any other thoughts on some of the messaging and the themes in these episodes? Mm, I just really liked them. It's pretty. I feel like I had something. Oh, you know what? We haven't really talked about the all that much about um, the various phases that sort of feel skipped and for Mm -hmm. the most part i don't really care because i'm okay with just getting on board the origin story um but i wish that we had gotten to see more of the growth and the relationship between juan and rava because it feels like i wasn't able to invest in the emotional payoff of that decision and what it means for the world going forward quite as much as i would have if um that acrimonious relationship had taken some time to become less acrimonious and then evolved and gotten more complex and everything um i feel like we're supposed to assume that it evolved and got more complex and i'm Mm -hmm. fine assuming that but i wish we had actually gotten to experience part of it yeah, I think that's fair. I think it would have also just needed a whole other episode, like, of runtime, basically, which... We could have had six episodes of this. I would have been way more on board. Yeah, I would have not said no to an extra episode. Um, but I also want them to kind of get moving as well, of like, all right, we're... This is this is the thing that's happening now. Because uh, it's been 10,000 years. Um what I really like is apart from like all the art style, because that travel montage is just desks, computer desktop thing after computer desktop thing of really beautiful thing to look at all day um, is how Juan is very much Cora, but also like has elements of Aang um, in him. Um, and you get that kind of appreciation of that. And then even in like his final moments, he feels very, um, Roku almost in terms of like this feeling of regret. Um, and I also just love that the earth kingdoms like symbol of this, the circle with the square in the middle of it is here already. Um, just all of that is just really, really beautiful. And, but I just really like that characterization of Juan and the ways in which we think about how, also those traits can be gendered and how we think about when those traits are applied to someone of masculine as opposed to feminine and how we respond to those and how the show I think is sort of conscious of the reaction to Korra and then went well we're just gonna do the same thing but I bet you like Juan more for reasons that we're not going to discuss (laughs) um so yeah yeah I I, yeah I just really like both these episodes yeah 
Marcus says, I'm interested in the lion turtles. There are apparently dozens of them. So does that mean there are potentially dozens of kinds of bending? Four elements, energy, maybe spirit, light. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think that's a very good, like, they've done a good job of fitting the history that they've told us about, like, the first benders were the fire dragon, were, were the dragons. First fire benders were the dragons. And they don't really, they don't talk about the sky bison, um, you know, so they kind of like, don't remember that part. But, um, but in general, they do a good job of layering those kind of together with this new, um, history and i think it works pretty well and the notion that like it just really worked out that um the energy bending lion turtle yeah uh was the one that uh came came to to ang when he was most needed um in the avatar like lead up to the finale but yeah i think that's a perfectly legit reading of it yeah and speaking of sky bisons hey Here's where the Sky Bisons came from. <laughs> yep. This secluded Yay! fire nation island that's been raising them for the past hundred years without telling anyone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I, if it means that there are more little mini appas yeah, in the world, yeah. we're okay with it. <laughs> Narrative convenience I can get behind. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. New rule. Any story is allowed to have a secret island full of... Of people you've never met before, if those people are raising sky bison, then it's totally fine. If they're protecting sky bison from extinction, like... Yep, totally great. I will accept any deus ex machina that involves sky bison. (laughs) Well, before we run out of time here, um, let's uh, let's quickly talk about what this means for the rest of the season moving forward. Because obviously Nolan and I know, but Allison, what do you take away from this and how it is going to shape what's coming um or what we've already seen well i feel like maybe a realization of the nature of her role in in this particular sense and like a more immediate sense and why it is that the avatar exists could be the thing that pushes cora to stop being um how should I put this? Such a butthead. Um, <laughs> I think Cora being less of a butthead is is probably... I, I, there's probably a more eloquent way to say that, but I'm going to stick with mine. Mm. Cora being less of a butthead seems like a very important step in her personal journey. Um, and, you know, much like Aang had, she's now got a new, very specific ticking clock, which is a great way to have to deal with things in a hurry and not avoid them. Who doesn't love a deadline? <laughs> um, so I'm glad Cora's got a deadline. Uh, other than that, I don't know. Um, I didn't miss anyone. So hopefully the other thing that happens is uh, I get more. No, that's not true. I miss Tenzin. Mm-hmm. Um I missed Tenzin, which surprises me. I didn't actually realize that until I said it out loud. Um, So I I hope that maybe we get more investment in our new friends um, and some good writing for them. Because, wow, I just Mm -hmm. am feeling deeply ambivalent about current Korra storyline right now, having gotten so easily invested in the past. Mm. Marcus says, Unalak is an agent of Vatu, perhaps unintentionally. So putting that prediction out there. Um, so our next episode is the final Perot episode. And then the rest are studio mirror. Um, and that episode is the guide. And then the, ep- the episode 10 is a, a new spiritual age. So, uh, Alison, any predictions? I know they're not helping you. They'll meet a guide 
who will guide them to a new spiritual age. It's no. Okay. In the guide, they meet a, a guide. Very important. Every avatar needs a guide. Maybe, maybe Korra finds a cat deer. We'll go with Korra finds a cat deer. Um, who becomes friends with Naga. That's my prediction. And then A New Spiritual Age is definitely about uh, Madonna's Ray of Light era. Mm -hmm. And Korra wears a denim shirt and dances in front of a camera. Um, and Full Crystal Method. Yes, totally. Full Crystal Method. Um, yes, that's, it's, it's the Ray of Light era of Korra. That's what I'm going to say. Okay. Noel, anything you want to tease? I'm really spooked by how accurate Allison is. <laughs> okay i'm a champion what can i say i won the emmys pool i was in on sunday there you go <laughs> well uh yeah i'm hoping that it keeps up this momentum because that would explain why i don't remember the first half of the season and then do remember these episodes and so i'm hoping that my vaguely positive connection to season two is because now it's back on track, but we will see. Um, so we're going to call it there. So thank you to Marcus for hanging out with us today in the Zoom. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about those next two episodes. Bye. 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 Bye.